What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 29 of the Steam Deck Podcast, Flip Screen Games Weekly Podcast, all about Valve's hot new handheld, the Steam Deck. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my partner in Steam Deck-related crimes, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, Steve. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I should be saying welcome back to you, because I'm fairly sure you went on last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, it's was. like generally, you know, like it's good It's good to be back. <laughs> it's good to be back on the show. You know, it's I'm happy to be back for another week of the yeah. podcast, especially uh, because very, very special day uh, here. You know, we're celebrating one year, the, the, the loose birthday of the Steam Deck. Yeah, it is the loose birthday. So the Steam Deck was uh, officially available for patch on the 25th of February last year. And then the first unit shipped on the 28th of February. So people didn't start getting them in their hands until March. So I'm happy to say it's around one year since uh, people started getting the Steam Deck. I feel like you got you to act like it's like the Steam Deck is like a spoiled little kid. And it's like you get the birthday month, right? Because it's like yeah. when you got it, it's it's very murky. <laughs> but we're somewhere in the birth month right now. Um, so yeah, so happy birthday to the Steam Deck. And we're going to be talking all about uh, the, the Steam Deck's first year on the market a little bit later on. But before that... We got we got some good news to jump into here. I know this is one that you've been excited about for a while. Uh, so let's just kick things off, right? Uh, ray tracing finally coming to the Steam Deck as of uh, the Steam Deck OS three point four point six beta. Yeah, absolutely huge news. So this massive, um, massive broke. News. Yeah, broke today as of time of recording. So we're recording this on Friday, uh, and they've updated the graphics driver to the Mesa twenty three point one driver. Uh, which has not only fixed issues with a couple of games, most notably uh, Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. So if you're playing that game, I know that's pretty hot at the moment. You're going to want to uh, switch over to the beta branch. But they've also added ray tracing. At the moment, it's only available in Doom Eternal, um, but I, I, I know it's going to be coming to other games. Um, that's because Doom Eternal uses a Vulkan API, so it can uh, the Mesa driver can directly connect to it. Uh, but Plagman over on Twitter... Um, obviously, uh, Valve's kind of head honcho following up um, the Steam Deck stuff. Our boy, our boy Griff. It's not Lawrence, it's Plagman. Yeah, Griff, of course. Yeah, our boy Griff. Yeah. Big, big Griff. <laughs> uh, he, he said that, D- <laughs> that DXR is also in the pipe, but it's not just quite ready yet, and that is um, DirectX ray tracing. So um, they're going to have that transpilation layer, Proton, doing its magic and bringing ray tracing to other games at some point. Now, I downloaded Demos Channel. It took me many, many hours on my terrible internet connection. <laughs> downloaded 90 gigabytes of a Demos Channel so I could oh try this. Oh, gosh. And um, it's not something I personally would choose to, to pick. So when you open up Demos Channel, you get an option between uh, ray tracing or balance. Previously, you only had the option to choose the balanced mode, um, and the ray tracing was completely locked out. But that's now available, and if you want to change you can switch to the settings so if you've been playing doom eternal and you want to try ray tracing you can uh, kind of swap back and forth between them um you'll get around 30 to 40 fps out of it um so That's if you cap good. it at 30 frames per second you can have like a pretty decent ray tracing experience um i think it's definitely using uh dynamic resolution it looked a little bit blurry in places, and a, and I think f- for me, for a game that's so heavy on action, that's all that's like high paced, high action. I think I would probably go for the balanced mode and aim for the sixty FPS. Yeah, personally. frame rate in Doom is pretty important. Yeah, in Doom, I I agree with you. I think when this comes to other titles, though, ones that would potentially be less focused on action, more on fidelity. I think I probably could see myself going for sure. a ray traced option if it's yeah. 30 FPS that I'm getting out of the the system. Um, I'd be interested in in seeing some benchmarks, seeing how that affects like battery life and things like that. It, it's it's very interesting because I I think the game that I, I've talked about this before, but like the game that made that um, dichotomy the most apparent to me was playing uh, Persona Five Royal on Steam Deck, and it's like oh like this is running at a, a lower resolution than it was on my PS4 Pro, but like it looks and feels better because it's running at a, a more stable frame rate. And it's not like it was a graphically intensive game anyway, right? So, like, that game outputting at, you know, like, 720 versus 1080 or 800 versus 1080, it's like it's really not making as much of a difference as the frame rate side of it, you know? And um, Doom is definitely one of those examples where, you know, you're not going to care about fidelity as much. But for something that is maybe, like, a slower pace, something turn-based, something like that, where, 
you know, you're not really like missing a dropped frame here or there, or or you're comfortable locked well, in at thirty. Something story driven. Like I could see easily see this on something like um, uh, like a Life is Strange or something where they like maybe put sure. like a ray trace yeah. mode. It's like watching a movie or even the Quarry, right? If, you, if they can get ray tracing into the Quarry working, being able to essentially like plug that into your TV have that ray trace experience running at 30 FPS. It doesn't really matter about the action in that game. It's really just PTE based and decision based. Those kind of games I think could really, uh, really benefit from ray tracing. Uh, it's, It's nice. I like the fact that we've got the option. It's very exciting that this is now finally coming. And obviously this isn't just for Steam Deck users. This is anyone running Linux now can have access to, uh, to ray tracing, um, uh, through the proton layer at some point was when it comes when uh, the direct text ray tracing comes there and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up steve uh this i'm gonna pull this question from the question block this one comes from yonug uh who wrote in and said i know it's on valve time tm but when do you think that the steam os3 general release will finally drop i, I think there's an interesting one right because again like we've been talking a lot about um you know a couple weeks ago we did an episode about like could this be the year of linux gaming right what is the future of linux gaming and I think um, being able to have parity with some of those features that, you know, I think PC gamers come to expect, like things like ray tracing, that's a big step forward for sure. Yeah, I think the next one, that's the, there's two other things that I think are really missing that PC gamers are going to want, which is VRR support in the gaming mode. Um, you can have it in desktop mode and that works uh, through DisplayPort. Uh, but I also think we need HDR support, and I know be, they've been working on that. It's in the the new beta of the new big picture mode. There's now in the developer settings options for HDR. It's not come to the Steam Deck yet, but I can imagine they're working on it probably for uh, 3.5. It's probably in the pipe for that one. I could easily see them getting 3.5 out of the way. I know that they've mentioned that they're working on some of the stuff that we spoke about last, I think it was either on last week's show or the, the week before about the uh, the simultaneous multi-threading optimizations and mm. potentially having that toggle in there. So I could see them kind of getting 3.5 out of the way, and then they look to focus on bringing that as the first main release. It seems like it's, uh, you know, it's the halfway mark between... Uh, version 3 and well I mean it's not really in version 4 because they can do 3.10, 3.11 so it's no issue um, but I kind of feel like that seems like a natural point at which they're like okay right it's time to release this out to the mainstream have our installer because there was the installer that was found on their repo their public repo a few months back so they've clearly been working towards it um, it's just it's just a case of of when and what their priorities are. I would imagine getting features like this onto the Steam Deck is probably more of a priority than focusing on releasing this for the mainstream. But I do think that they want people to be able to install Windows on their Steam Decks, and the official install is only going to come when we get the official installer for SteamOS three. There you go. So uh, before we get into our birthday talk. Uh, we did briefly want to just touch on February's top Steam Deck titles. Um, it's I think these are just sort of a fun thing, right? Like every month, Valve loves to put out the top uh, 20 games that are being played on Steam Deck, sorted by playtime uh, over on the official Steam Deck Twitter. And um, I think for it's it's always interesting because there's a lot of games that I think are always predictably on the list, right? Like uh, whatever like the hot new games are that happen to run okay on Steam Deck. But it's, it, I think it's always more interesting to see what are the old games that have jumped up into the, the top 20 and why, you know? Um, so it, it's always interesting. Um, but given a, a rundown of the 20 games, uh, this is in order. It starts with Hogwarts Legacy, Elden Ring, Vampire Survivors, Stardew Valley, Red Dead Redemption 2, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, Grand Theft Auto 5, Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim Special Edition, Hades, Brotato, Persona 5 Royal, Monster Hunter Rise, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, Fallout 4, Cyberpunk 2077, Valheim, Slay the Spire, Marvel's Midnight Suns, NBA 2K23, and Project Zomboid. Yeah, I mean, some a lot of these have been in here, I feel like, since day one of Steam Deck's release, like Vampire Survivors and Elden Ring, I feel like they're always there. Same with uh, GTA and Red Dead Redemption 2. We'll see, but um, Red Dead this, one, that think about it, that was a recent addition because for a while it didn't work on Steam Deck. And then once that's they did it, since it since it did, then it's been there ever since. Yeah, yeah. it's always been at Stardew Valley's always been in there as well. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting to take to take a look at what people are playing. Obviously, and it's like Witcher Hogwarts three Legacy runs. Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I would say obviously Hogwarts Legacy runs phenomenally well on on Steam Deck, so a lot of people people have been um, picking that one up. So, and then you know, like looking again at some of the older ones, like Witcher three, right? That had a recent update, and it shot up on these charts and hasn't gone away. And I think a lot of those games are like they are bigger, meatier games that take a long time. So like if you started it a month or two ago, you're probably still playing it. You know, um, always interesting. And like Marvel's Midnight Suns jumping back up, that obviously. Got uh, a couple and recent free patches, to play weekend. free to play weekend, and then it's also on sale right now for like half off. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense why people choose to pick it up. It's just it's always interesting. I always think it's it's uh it's fun to just kind of see how how that top twenty ebbs and flows month to month. And I think I definitely think it's something that's true of like PC gaming and this the Steam ecosystem in general that like it feels more fluid. And it feels less like about always what the new game is rather than kind of like what the the trend of the moment is, right? And that's often influenced by things like sales and updates and, and all these things. I think you've seen that more broadly this generation where like older games are having a longer tail and getting a new lease on life because less games are getting put out, you know, and things like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting. It's, I, I think the, the, that Steam top, especially, specifically the Steam Deck, Top 20 is a very interesting microcosm of like just what the Steam Deck audience is uh, is getting up to these days. So uh, before we get into the birthday conversation, let me remind you that this week's episode of the Steam Deck podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of March. They are, of course, Arnold J. Rimmer, Christopher Valenz, Earth Visitor, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Asobi, Wakahula, Snackigo, and Ty the Dude. Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon.com slash games. You're all the realest of the real, and we greatly appreciate your support of this and all of our sister shows. Remember, if you want to go become a Patreon producer, if you want to write into the show, just like people did for the question block segment, however you want to get involved or get in touch, you can head over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you will find all the ways you can interact with us all over the web, many of which will not cost you a pretty penny. However you choose to get involved, we appreciate you tuning into this week's show. So, it's a happy, happy birthday here for our, our, our favorite new handheld, the Steam Deck. Like you said... Uh, first available to buy February 25th, first unit shipped out February 28th. At this point, we have 8,000 verified titles. How are we feeling about this thing? I mean, it's it's done phenomenally well, right? It's, I think, exceeded both of our expectations. Um, the, the whole verified titles thing, I think, is... Uh, a bit of a red herring, like everyone sure. looks at the 8,000 verified titles, <laughs> but how many verified games are you actually playing at every, every given time? It's like, I'm going in, I'm playing games that are still marked as incompatible, because if you check out Proton <laughs> DB, it'll tell you exactly how to fix the problem that's usually just like a switch to, to um, Proton GE, and they'll solve the, solve the issue, and it's just like, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I was... I'm over the moon with with my Steam Deck. I still absolutely love. It. I still play it almost every single day. Um, it's like a, a dream device for me being able to play big meaty games on the go, but also having just like a huge collection of of indie titles and retro games at my hand, uh, like at my fingertips. It's just yeah, it's everything I could have could have wanted. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. You know, I, I think it very much to me feels like a, a in a weird way like a spiritual successor to the role that my PSP played back in the day, right? Where it's like, yes, yeah. um, it, it is kind of like the other handheld, right? Like in my life, um, aside from the Nintendo Switch. But I think beyond that, so much of what its unique value prop is, is is like kind of what you can do with it if you're willing to tinker, what you are what you can do with it if you um, take advantage of, of folks in the community like you, right? Who develop uh, original plugins and all these things that you can do crazy stuff with it um that i think yeah i mean not even that right like it was i feel like maybe a week or two or two weeks after people started getting their hands on the steam that we had emu deck like on the scene oh my god making it super easy to get all of these emulators up and running even on day one though you had the discover store that you could just open up in desktop mode and you had access to the dolphin emulator to use you to whatever emulator you wanted it was there ready to install all you had to do was provide your roms or your bios files and away you go like it took 
next to no effort. I think that really opened people's eyes to the fact that, wow, we've been in these closed wall gardens where we've not been able to install anything outside of what Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo kind of wanted to, to shove our way. And I think Valve's, Valve has opened, like, opened people's eyes to the fact that there is another way. You can have a successful product and a successful digital marketplace while still allowing people to utilize other services. And not just like competing stores, fair enough if you don't want to have that, but being able to install community software, I think, has been a game changer for the Steam Deck. And I don't think it would have become as popular with people who were maybe on the edge of buying it, but then they saw something like Emu Deck or saw the fact that you can cloud stream from an Xbox or from your PlayStation 5. And that really just like was just like, okay, fair enough, I'll, I'll, I'll buy one then. Yeah, and I think for me, a lot of those things ended up being kind of a Trojan horse, right? Where it was like they were the thing that made me be like, oh, okay, I can see how a Steam Deck fits into my my use case, right? My needs. Um, and then it was all the other things that I found myself doing with it on top of that, that, you know, kept it um, in such regular rotation, whether it was playing, you know, the hot new indie games there rather than having to wait a year and change for them to come to like Switch or, or another, you know, uh, console platform where I'd rather play them. Um, but also like... I think removing some of the the friction between um, things like ROM hacks and and like fan games and things that I had been interested in in the past but didn't want to play um, on a computer, right? Because, you know, historically, and this was always the barrier for you and me as PC players, was like, we work on computers, right? Like, we both work in, in tech and being on your computer for nine, ten hours a day for work, it's not super attractive to continue staying hold up in your office and gaming there when you want to be you know in your living room you want to be spending time with your partner you know you want to like leave the room that you were in the rest of the day right um and just, yeah just, i think that's just a big such a big thing for me it's just like being in a different area different yeah. space or just wanting to lie down on the couch right it's why console gaming i think for both of us was always so appealing but I've always loved handheld, so that's why the 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 Switch was such a big big like game changer for me as well. Mm-hmm. That I could plug it into my TV and then also take these console quality games away with me. And I think the Steam Deck just took that to the next level with giving us all of this power in our hands and also having this just completely open marketplace. Yeah, and it made me look into things that I had been interested in for years. Like I, I spent a lot of time with like Pokemon Radical Red last year. And, like, that's something that, like, I had read about, I had talked to with friends about, I had tried putting it on a laptop and playing it that way, but it just wasn't an optimal experience, you know, and it was just not how I wanted to engage with it, you know, it, it was it was uh, never comfortable, and then it was like, oh, I have it in this perfect, you know, on, on this perfect device that is the Steam Deck for, you know, um, kind of filling in all those gaps for me, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, my Steam Deck feels kind of like a Swiss Army Knife console, where, like, you know, I have a specific use case for my Nintendo, my PlayStation, my Xbox. And whenever one of those doesn't, you know, um, cover a base, I feel like the Steam Deck has like perfectly slotted itself in as like the fourth pillar now, you know, and like I I find myself using it as much or more than than a lot of my other platforms, depending on what I'm playing. Right. Like last year. Um, I spent so much time playing a lot of like indie games on it. And, you know, there were long periods where, um, especially my switch, right. But, uh, where all my other consoles were, were sitting because I was just, you know, devoting all my time to steam deck, um, which is great. You know, it's like right now it's, it's been a little bit more of the inverse where like, I've got some stuff I'm playing on my switch. So steam deck's been taking a bit of a break. I'm really only playing persona on it now. Um, but like, that's fine. Right. Because I know that, in a couple months, there's going to be that hot new indie. There's going to be that new thing that that pulls me back in. And um, I think, you know, to to I guess kind of transition into our initial impressions, uh, looking back, you know, a year, like I think that was my biggest concern with it was that it was going to feel like a gimmick device on some level, and that it was a thing I would get, I'd tinker with, I'd set it up, and then I wouldn't get, I would just wouldn't use it that. Well, often. what were you? What were your initial impressions when you first saw the product? Because I can remember having a conversation with you, and you were surprised that I wanted to pre-order one. Like I was, I was just like, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in on this. I was like, I was so excited for it. It seemed like a dream device to me, and I, and like you were, you were a bit surprised by that. I think now in hindsight, 
haven't seen how much I've tinkered with it and, and how much I've kind of gone down that avenue, I think maybe it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, I, um, I think when you initially expressed interest in it, I was so surprised because like you were so not a PC player, right? And like, yeah. um, I was just like, I remember asking, I was like, what do you think you're going to use this thing for? Like, I, I was very confident that you were going to get it and you were going to play with it a little bit. And then it was going to be like one of those, you know, like handheld emulator, like type devices that we had both been interested in and yeah. talked about getting. And you bought one and you put an emulator on it and you were like, look, I booted up Minish Cap on it. And then that was the last I ever heard of that thing. <laughs> right. Like, no, I, I hacked a Vita. I didn't even bother buying oh, okay, one. I okay. Vita okay. And played on it. Fair, yeah, yeah. Which you're was right, you're fun. Right. And I planned to do a video on it at some point, but then the Steam Deck came out and it was sort of like, it's kind of no point to, to hack it. Yeah, these right. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of expected it to go that way. Right. Where I was like, yeah, like this is a thing that you're, you're going to drop six hundred dollars on this thing so that you can put an emulator on it and never and never play them. OK. All right, bud. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I was also, I think, pretty bullish about the idea that I didn't think it was going to work out. Right. Given um I think Valve's some of their previous missteps with hardware, like we we talked a lot about the Steam machines at that time, and um, yeah, I think I think I just underestimated them really. Like I, I didn't I didn't think that they were gonna have the the follow through on it to really make it stand out as as more than like a niche kind of you know um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not just a niche device, but something that would only appeal to to a a, a certain you know, segment of their audience. Yeah, it's like a niche of enthusiasts, right? It's a tiny, small seg segment, I think, more yeah. a lot of people thought it was going to cater to those people that already had a PC and wanted to get into that. I think in hindsight, though, having spoken to you, like I know you said you, the people that you know who have bought Steam Decks don't really play PC games. And I have haven't really one friend games. who owns one that is a PC gamer. He has always been a PC-first guy, uh, and he only he has a PlayStation and a Nintendo uh, system every generation specifically for exclusives. Other than that, he's on PC. Right. But every other person I know got it because they were interested in it specifically as a handheld or as an emulator. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm probably the same. I mean, I only know you and um, Max and my dad that have bought them. Um but I have shown them to a bunch of I have shown it to a bunch of people who have never played a PC game before. And they and everyone's always been excited about it because there's always that one game that someone constantly plays all the time on their console. Like my best friend always plays Hitman, and I just remember him playing um, Hitman on it for the first time, and I was like, "Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? The fact that you can just like take this with you and, pl and play it." Um, it was it was in incredible. Um, but yeah, I remember the, I remember the 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 initial impressions. I remember uh, the website crashing when I tried putting my pre order down and and being really annoyed that uh, it took took me six minutes to get my order through. I had like an alarm set. I was there on the page ready to pay. Took six minutes to get my order through. And I still only got my Steam Deck in April last year. Um, it took them that long to get through six minutes of orders, which was insane to me. I really wonder how small that first initial production run was. Um, but just unboxing, I remember unboxing that live on Twitch with everyone like asking questions and like, yeah. showing it. It was really, really cool, really exciting. And just like playing games on it straight away. Just like, oh, let's download Aperture Desk Job and, and try it out. Let's download. Uh, we were playing uh, Stacklands at the time. And I was like, I really want to try this because it, it doesn't work with a controller. Let's try out a different control scheme. See if the touchscreen's any good or the trackpads are good. Um, and just like the initial feel of the device, which we've spoken about many times, it just felt larger. It was it was it was a physically larger device than I had anticipated, which is silly, really. Um, <laughs> but the fact that the weight is just distributed great, your hands just fall on the triggers and on the sticks, and it just felt felt right. And it's so funny because like you talk about that that kind of initial wave, um, and like that was what convinced me to buy one right it was like you getting one and you being excited about it i was like oh, okay this is this is not what i thought it was going to be so i want to i want to get in on it you know and um 
Yeah, because we did a few episodes of the Flip Screen Games podcast before we were just like, we should really kind of go all in on the Steam Deck and make yeah. it its own podcast because it was capitalizing that podcast. We were talking about it every week. Weeks week. and weeks. <laughs> it was all we were talking about. We're just like, we need to get back to just talking about games on that podcast and uh, we should probably make it its own thing. And that's when we started doing the Steam Deck podcast, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's funny because you know, like I, I, I definitely felt like a bit of an asshole with that whole thing because I totally by- bypassed all of the, you know, I didn't sign up for one on day one. I, you know, I wasn't waiting in line. I casually mentioned on maybe the second episode we did about the Steam Deck. I was like, all right, I want one. If anybody in the community has a pre-order, you know, and you don't want it, let me know. And like that week, you know, uh, Mango from the community, right? Uh, who came through and was like, Hey, like I got one. I, I can't get it anymore. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's, let's, let's absolutely do this. Yeah. But you paid it forward though. Like you did keep your place in queue and you and gave, I gave it, it to someone, someone else. else. Yeah. So it wasn't like you just canceled yours and no, no, no. But, yeah. but it was funny because my, my friend who I just mentioned before, who's like the only PC gamer I know who has a steam deck was like, I sent him a picture of it when I got it. He's like, you son of a bitch. He's like, I signed up day one. I've been waiting. I'm checking my queue every single day. How did you get one? <laughs> yeah, I remember checking the queue, going on Reddit. People were like doing the math, figuring yeah. out. Oh, mine's going like, to come six weeks from data. now. Yeah, it was, it was like, what's your date? Like, go to this API URL, copy the copy the timestamp, paste it into this. You'll figure out exactly how many Valve shipped. Then they started doing, like, two emails a week instead of one email a week. And it was like, yeah. I still think, though, the, the purchasing process for me, aside from the initial crash on launch, was was kind of flawless. It, it, it stopped you having to check every single day, every single time that, like, say, PlayStation would have a restock, you'd have to go around all of these different websites, hope that you had, like, accounts set up and you're ready to go through the checkout process and all this stuff. Valve's solution of, well, give us give us uh, 10, 10, I think it was $10 for, or $5, and you can secure your place in, in a queue, and we'll just tell you when you're ready to buy one, and when your kind of ticket comes up. I think it's a much more sensible way of doing things and i think ultimately that's probably where things are going to get to um especially if the next console generation goes digital only which um sony seems to be pressing on towards that's that's a that's a topic for uh, a flip screen games podcast that's an interesting one um but yeah yeah i mean they they did kind of copy it in in europe because they have playstation direct which is yeah. their um their store and you could only purchase it if you already had like a PS4 and you already had like a PSN account. Like it was a similar approach they followed. It wasn't quite as um, quite as intense as Valve's, which was we want to try and stop scalpers. So you have to purchase before this date, have an account for this time, and being kind of in good standing before you can even pre-order the thing. Yeah, and I mean, I I think aside from the like frustration that people experienced with wanting one and not being able to get one, um, I agree with you. Like I think for for them planning it to be a limited run, like a or not limited run, that's not what I mean. Like a um, uh, a limited amount of like launch units, right? Where it was a controlled stock. I think they handled it as best they could, you know, and and they made it um pretty simple right where if you decided it yeah maybe you couldn't you couldn't make an impulse purchase of one but you could put your five bucks down and when it was your time it was your time you know um and i think yeah for all the the trials and tribulations that many folks went through to get their hands on a playstation 5 and to a lesser extent a series x um yeah it would be nice to see that uh become more standard at least you know i would love if there was some kind of like you know, even if I could do it at a retailer, like let sure. me just say at Amazon, I put if I'm a Prime customer, I put my like ten dollars down, and it puts me in a queue for this hot product, and then I yeah. know as soon as it comes in stock, they're just going to ship me one. Yeah, I I'd mean, much or, rather have that. It would it would be nice too if it, if there was a situation like you know because Valve's was tied to you already having a, an active Steam account, right? Like it would be cool if they had something like that where it's like, oh, like you know, you're a PlayStation Four owner, right? And it's like, all right, cool, like here you get here's your link right so that you can you can get in line at some point right like some kind of system like that where rather than just having to like have the luck of the draw um you were given some level of preferential treatment 
Yeah, Microsoft did that at some point with Series X because you could purchase one through the Xbox dashboard. So if you had an Xbox One, yes. you could log on to your Xbox One and buy one there. And that was the only way you could buy one from Microsoft for a while. I think that's a good um, way to do it, though, right? Like just yeah, right on the box. Smart. The Xbox is good about that in general because I remember they did that with their when they had that um, presentation, the Xbox Bethesda presentation recently, like on the homepage. It was like, oh, do you want to watch it? And they would just open it and play it, like, yeah, like or you could just see all the games that were announced, and click the games through that came and to Game Pass today. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's awesome. You know, it's like I, I would love to see more stuff like that where it's like you can kind of create like a straight line, you know. And I think Valve did a good job of it, right? Because it was all through Steam. You know, you weren't going to this third party website. Like it was just like. Go on your Steam account, add it to cart like you would any game, and you'll get your email when you get your yeah, email. Yeah, and you could tell like it was all set up for games because you it was not ready for, for, for them to ship hardware, even though they've been shipping hardware for over a decade at this point, since Steam Boxes and the Steam Controller and Steam Link and the Index and the HTC Vive. Like, they've been shipping hardware for a long time, but this is really the first en-masse product that they've they've properly shipped. Um, and what we're talking about, Steambooks, is go check. Uh, everyone should go check out uh, Linus Tech Tips video this week. They got a, a hold of a prototype uh, Steambooks, which was really cool. Um, and Plagman over on Twitter actually called it out that the way they uh, they they knew which one was which, they didn't have serial numbers on, but they uh, beveled one of the the like fan holes. Wow! Um, so that they would know which one it was and who it got given to. That's incredible. <laughs> that's going to be the next antiquated piece of valve hardware that you buy right i would i'd love to start collecting that stuff i love my steam controller i hope they make another one um that would be the next big piece of hardware i want them to focus on uh after the decad which they're obviously working on yeah they could they could shelve that and give me the controller you know vr vr oh, yeah, headsets sure, are dead yeah, right sure didn't, that. isn't that isn't that what you and max talked about on, <laughs> on v, isn't vr dead isn't that what you said I didn't say it. Yeah, I think, yeah, VR is definitely dead. Yeah. Dead, dead yeah. in the dead no in the water, dead on arrival. <laughs> <laughs> controllers, though, controllers never go out of style. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, all the PC, all the PC players are gonna string me up by my gills. You know, force me to breathe air. I think a lot of PC players play with with controllers these days. I'd love to know I'm if you're a PC player. Let me know down in the in the comments because I kind of want to know. I feel like it's dependent on the game, right? Like there's certain genres where you want mouse. If you're yeah, playing an FPS, you're, right. you're playing an RTS, you playing a MOBA, right? Like you want mouse and keyboard, yeah. or, you know, any kind of you know management kind of game like that. You want mouse and keyboard. Oh yeah, like a tycoon or a management sim. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like if you're playing Based a fighting game, you know, you're playing you know maybe like a, a third yeah. person you know open world type game. You're probably playing on a controller, right? Like. Yeah, you're right. But I think some games uh, some games have made the shift. Because I remember when Diablo came out, and Diablo's been like a point-and-click, use-a-mouse game right. since like its inception. And then... 3 um, came out and... Diablo 3 came out, and it's like, you need to use a controller, really, for this, because you want to roll around. And it's got, like, full eight-way controls now, instead of just, like... It yeah. was full 360 controls, instead of just the eight-way isometric. Um, so, yeah. These games can make the jump. Man, I'm looking forward to Diablo 4. I can't wait for that one. Me too. It's going to be fun. Me too. That's that a game. Baldur's Gate 3 <sighs> in the same year. It's an exciting year for me what and my time. old PC roots. What a time to be alive. <laughs> all these all these high fantasy games coming out. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Max and I were talking about that on flip screen this week. Somebody asked, like, what's going to be the next trend in, in gaming? And Max was like, maybe like magic. And I was like, there are a lot of high fantasy games coming out in the next couple months, you know? Not months, I guess, but you know, year and change. Yeah. Between those yeah. two, you've got uh, Disavowed, right, is the Obsidian one that's like the I'll Elder Scrolls Obsidian one. one yeah, and, uh, yeah, I do, I do want Fable, to. Fable, right? I, I like, there's, there's some stuff on the horizon. Yeah, a lot over on the Microsoft camp. What was Sony working on? Oh, they just had Forspoken. Who could forget? The well, Seminal yeah, Magic. Yeah, that, yeah. Seminal so Magic. So that the studio got folded into its parent company. Yeah, it was that, so popular. Isn't that so rough? <laughs> it's like, dude, that game just came out. Like, the body's not even cold. <laughs> no, like, no, you don't get to just. You don't get to keep going with this. We're cutting you off. You're coming over. Was that here. Like their first game too? Like, yes, it was. <laughs> oh my god! At least give them a second at bat, right? Like Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's a flip screen conversation. Uh, so 
I, I think one of the other things that's been really exciting about keeping up with the Steam Deck, right, has been like just how rapidly it evolves, right? Like how how gotcha. between the the software, the you know the OS, like the the dock support, like all those things. Like we've seen in just a year, so many um, things come out and be a standard, and then be replaced and iterated on, and you know sometimes that's just from valve proper but sometimes it is through collaboration with the community like the um you know like the boot uh custom boots and everything right which was like totally a fan made yeah, I mean, thing yeah, and then valve was, brought it it was fan made thing yeah because like they found the folder but then they like embraced it and brought it in but like, he, oh, cool. i was going back through i was going back through like the news and updates page uh and there were 30 pages of updates since its launch but even stuff like back to March 10th, right? So like two weeks after its initial launch, we get Windows drivers. Um, then there's like all sorts of other features come, like updates to the store, bug fixes. It was like coming in hot. It was pretty clear at launch. It was not where they wanted it to be in terms of software. Like you, we only got a lock screen. Do you remember? We only got a lock screen in April. Yes. And launch with a lock screen. Like you could not, it was an insecure device that like you couldn't really leave your house with it and not worry about someone just purchasing stuff because it was, you were not locked out. Um, and in May, we got per game performance profiles. Like it was initially just like a global yeah. performance profile. And then you could like tick it. So it was just for that one game. Uh, in, in June, we got the, uh, what well, in, in June, we got the screen refresh change, which was a huge one being able to yeah, like, that was one you'd been like asking to... for, for a long time. I remember. Yeah. And like, it was, it was found to be working in windows, um, by the forks, a YouTuber. And then they were just like, yeah, we're working on it. Um, but we want to make it work better. Like the, the delay between the screen refresh change is just a little bit too much at the moment. And then, yeah, they just, they brought it out and it was uh, available and you could just go down and lock it at 40 hertz and just have these 40 frames per second games working. It was great. Really great. Like just the amount of stuff they kept adding to the Steam Deck week in, week out. It was crazy. And continue to, you know, like the, that's, yeah, that's the thing that's cool to. about it. You know, like the, the device is constantly evolving. And I, yeah, I, and I think it's it's pretty clear at this point that the the UI that they put on the Steam Deck is the future of the of Steam in general. Yeah, you can already see parts of it incorporated into the main desktop client when you go to the preferences. They've changed some of it out for the actual Steam Deck UI. It's the new big picture mode. Is what's in a Tesla if you want to play Steam in your Tesla. Like that's going to be the UI that you see everywhere. I think from now. Yeah, on. yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to think like how central to their messaging it feels like the Steam Deck has become. You know, cuz I think like obviously like all these updates were a big thing, but I feel like one of the biggest things that, you know, um we don't even always talk about as much, right, is like their um appearance at at Tokyo Game Show, right? And how much they Oh yeah, that was huge. How much yeah. effort they invested in evangelizing the Steam Deck in markets where PC gaming is is underrepresented, right? Like we we've talked on the show about how um, it's been on the rise in Japan the last couple of years, like especially like with the the pandemic, um, and like there being a shortage of PS fives, like there there was kind of this new renewed interest in in PC as a platform over over uh in Japan, but um, yeah, seeing Valve kind of recognize that and double down and be like, how can we you know show up at events in a that historically we would have never bothered to have a presence at and show off hardware and push how great you know Elden Ring the hottest game of the year looks on Steam Deck like things like that um i think those were all you know um big moves that represent the the way that they think about the Steam Deck being different than the the other hardware that they've put out over the years you know that like they have a commitment to well, the deck. not to mention like the investment at the game awards like the number of steam decks they gave away the presence that they they had just through jeff Keighley mentioning them yeah how many did they give away making jokes at it it's like it was a, it was an insane amount it wasn't it one per minute of the show so something yeah. like 500 something crazy i'm looking it up right now but yeah it was it was a lot <laughs> Yeah, they Over gave a good number away. Uh, 171. Oh, they gave out 171 more. So that was after the original. 
amount? Good yeah, God. Yeah, it was planned, I think, to be like 300 and something. And then they gave away more. Yeah. The show just went long and long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Um, yeah, and I, again, I think, I think it speaks to their desire to make it a thing. You know, and, and to have it be a thing that, that people um, get behind and champion in a way that I don't know that there's been the same level of um, community around the other devices that they've put out. You know, I think they, ha- they haven't had the same level of like fan support and fervor around them. And I think part of that is the Steam Deck being a great device and part of it is the way in which they've positioned it and, and tried to get it in front of more people and like allow the folks that did get it early to evangelize it. I think that's the huge change is the fact that this is just a, um, an overwhelmingly well-received product. Whereas you look at say the steam controller where it does have its, its fans and the same with the index, the index is a niche product already. It's a VR headset and it costs a lot of money and it's, it needs a, a big PC to power it. But the Steam controller didn't, and it was designed for everyone to be that kind of um, inroads to PC gaming, where if you're not used to a, con- a keyboard and a mouse and uh, to play games and you want to use a controller but the game doesn't support it, here's a solution for you. Uh, but I just think it was, wasn't a great product. Even as much as I love it, I just think there's so many flaws with it. So many flaws with the Steam controller. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think all of the failings of those previous devices have resulted in the success of the Steam Deck. They learned a lot of important yeah, I agree. Right, and, and all of the, the things that they've learned from, from the Index, like the, the, uh, the touchpads come directly from the Index controllers and, and bring it over there. Same with, like, some of the buttons and the sticks and things. Like, they've learned from making their own hardware over the years. Agreed. So, uh, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about another little thing that they put out this year. The Steam Deck docking station, the Steam Deck dock, the deck dock, whatever you want to call this thing. Hickory dickory deck dock. I don't know. They caught, they interchange between dock and docking station, like on their website, it's dock in the header, but they call it the docking station officially. But then within the wording, it says Docking station adds extensibility to your already extensible Steam Deck. Dock deck to your TV. Like, it's just, it's a mouthful. An absolute mouthful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that thing, I like it. I do really wish that they would hurry up and add VRR and, and MSD support that has been planned and has been on the tech specs since I bought the thing and yeah. it's still not here. I have had this thing, what, since August? September, yeah. maybe? And like, still. I still cannot use FreeSync. I still cannot have uh, multi-monitor support with the MST. So it's just like, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think but having, having said that, I think it's, it's good that they've got the baked-in firmware. Yes. Uh, like, and then they can update it, and it's like a seamless thing. And I think for the majority of people, I'd still recommend this doc over a third-party dock Agreed. for that very reason. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's my biggest disappointment with the dock is I think when you when you compare what the pre-dock... This is such a hard thing to say because of how they talk about it. When you think about what the pre-docking station docked experience was like, right? Um, it's come a long way, right? Like, they, they made a lot of improvements in the first several months uh, that the Steam Deck was on the market. But then it feels like since the docking station came out, I don't necessarily feel like there's been that same level of optimization, of improving the docked experience, of making it more seamless, of making it less prone to error. Um, I agree with you. And that's now, Even now, even now, when it's plugged into my TV, and I did it early because I needed to update SteamOS to try out the ray tracing stuff that we spoke about at the beginning of yeah. the show... Whenever I install an update, or even if I just need to restart my my uh, Steam Deck, or I go from desktop mode to gaming mode, I have to get up, I have to unplug it, and plug it back in, yep. or the picture will not come on the screen. And it's super frustrating that I still have to do that six months later. Like That should have been fixed. That should have been resolved. And I, I totally agree with you. It felt like they were rushing to get the dock out, and they delayed it multiple times. 
And I think majority of that reason was for the software. At launch, I and we both bought those little dongles, right? The Amazon Basics dongles, which work great, and it's it's in my bag for when I go traveling. Um, they worked fine, but the the UI didn't scale, so you had like this like huge, like really tiny like text on like a huge screen yep. kind of scenario. You couldn't you change black bars the games. You couldn't change resolution. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't change the resolution to be any more than 800p within a game. So it was like locked to that 16 by 10 aspect ratio for the majority of, of cases. Or you could go down to 720p if the game supported it. They they fixed all of those problems. But I agree with you. Since then, it's not come along any further. And I think it should have by now. I feel like we should have the ability to set resolutions when it's docked versus resolutions when it's not docked and be able to have like a, a more seamless experience where I can switch from desktop mode to gaming mode or restart my Steam Deck without having to get up and unplug it and plug it back in. And I still have issues where the audio drops out from time to time. And I have all sorts of problems with this thing. Uh, it's still better than nothing. And I'm yeah. so glad it exists. But the problems but, with it lead to me not using it as much as I think I would otherwise. You know, like, I, I like the experience of playing Persona 5 Royal docked on the Steam Deck. But it's just enough of a hassle that I'm more likely to be like, I'll just play it in handheld. You know, and I think that's a bad place for it to be. For it to be not... Uh, not an overpriced device, but an expensive. It's an expensive accessory for it to work kind it's of costly. well. Costly, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a costly, costly item. I, I think it, the cost is justified, as we mentioned in our review, yeah, which absolutely. I'll link in the, the description. The, the addition of the extra charger alone makes it worth it, right? Like the deck, it's or the dock itself. I, I should say, costs probably like what thirty dollars when you actually factor in how much the brick itself is worth. You know. So it's it's not yeah. a bad price, and it's worth. It's nice to have an extra Steam Deck charger, but it, it, for it's frustrating for it to be a device that I am so close to recommending to anybody, and then having to have a bunch of caveats to be like it's worth it, but is annoying. I I agree with you, but it is nice. I have played a ton of games through that thing. I like I've said multiple times on the on the podcast. I love playing horror games with my friends. Yeah. The majority of them are like little indie games that we play. I played one of my favorite games of, of last year, Five Dates on it. I'm looking forward to playing 10 Dates on it. So I think it's it can work and it is an okay experience. Uh, it just needs improvement. And I, I they are still working on, on stuff. Like I think it was in either November or December, we got support for auto mounting of drives that are plugged into the, the dock. So if you had like a big hard drive full of games, you could like chuck them on there. So you had all of your your ROMs or like a bunch of games downloaded that you wanted to to transfer from from the internal drive to an external drive. It will it will now do that, uh, which was really nice. Prior to that, you had to like manually mount them or go into desktop mode or run a script. So they are still working on stuff, and and I think they've shown that they are willing to put the effort in and willing to to kind of persevere with getting stuff. Uh, stuff done. I think it just depends what their priorities are. Agreed. So, uh, one of the other things that you highlighted on our list here was the iFixit partnership that uh, started back out, up in May of last year. And of course, that is kind of the official third party, you know, solution for you as a Steam Deck user uh, to like buy new hardware if you want to upgrade your hard drive, if you want to get a, a cool custom uh, shell, things like that. Um, they have a lot of new screens, things like that, like all kinds of, of replacement options. But you can buy pretty much every part from them um, that's an, a genuine Steam Deck part, which is very unusual. Um, but you can buy even like a motherboard, you can buy the external casing. You can buy everything. You could essentially build a, a Steam Deck yourself if you wanted to with all it's of the wild. stuff that they, they sell, which is kind of crazy. Um, and say, say for example, you bought like the uh, one of the, the lower-end Steam Decks like we did. We got the, the 256 gig model, but you wanted to then upgrade to the, the, the slightly nicer screen that you get on the 512 gigabyte model. You can do that. You can buy a replacement screen. They're like 90 90 pounds or a hundred dollars you could swap out the fan if you had one of the noisy fans you can buy like a different fan and they're all parts that come directly from valve it's the only place you can actually buy a steam deck ac adapter as well like an official oem 
AC adapter. You can buy them directly from from here, and you can see how much they cost. They're twenty five pounds or thirty dollars. So you were right. The a, a large part of the cost of that dock was the the charger. Can you tell me that thing's not worth thirty bucks? That's insane, right? <laughs> like it's it's worth thirty bucks. I'll say. But that was the only repair solution for like six months until we got to the s- s- September when they finally opened repair centers. Up until that point, if you broke your Steam Deck, your solution was repair it yourself with iFixit parts or find someone you know to repair it or hope and pray the Valve were going to be friendly with you and give you a replacement through the RMA process, uh, which for the, mo- for the majority of people they did. Um, and then they eventually got their repair centers online. And it just feels like, again, it's another example of, I don't think they thought it was going to be as popular as it was. And I don't think they realized that they were going to need to have things like repair centers in place and have parts available for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's cool that their reaction was swift and also that you know they have multiple options for you, right? Like you, you, you know, if you're comfortable tinkering, um, as like we've talked about, I think a lot of Steam Deck users probably are, Great, then I fix it's a wonderful solution for you, right? But if not, you have a more traditional option available to you now, which uh, you know I think it, it goes to show that um, one of the big advantages is their ability to be flexible and react to things, you know. And I think that uh, they've done a really good job of that, you know. Uh, so while we're on the the fix it or I fix it partnership repair side of things, I want to pull another question from the question block. Uh, this one comes from Shififu over on the Discord who wrote in and said, Thanks for creating the greatest Steam Deck podcast ever. The open nature of the platform will never cease to justify the purchase. I feel particularly smug when trying to figure out what to stream from my PC Series X or PS4 before settling down to play Vampire Survivors in front of some reality TV. My main question is, will there ever be community display setting config similar to controller layout? Sometimes I love to tinker. Sometimes I just want to play a game. I think community batter, uh, battery saver, frame rate, and beauty options would all would take the deck a bit closer to a mainstream consumer device, even closer if there was some sort of crowdsource default for each game. Secondly, do you think there will be uh, will there ever be an OLED screen replacement available via iFixit or unofficial channels? So first things first, I want to know from you. What reality TV do you watch while you play your deck? It's got to be below deck, right? You're playing on your deck while you're watching below deck. I've just been watching below deck. There's a new season coming to Netflix in the UK soon. So I'm I'm prepping ready for that. I'm excited. Uh, (laughs) That is one of the greatest reality TV shows of all time. Um, But to answer your question about the community display settings, I don't know about the display settings, but I do think, because I think it's just, that relies on the game and having having settings for the game and the configs for the for the game and each game's going to be different this was actually like a plug-in idea that i had myself and want to see if i can persist and do this but i need to find out where all of the config settings are saved for every single game and that would need to be like a, a community approach i think i don't think it's something that valve could commit to however when it comes to the the performance settings things like uh, the tdp the um the frame rate caps things like that that you can set yourself in the steam os menu i could easily see them implementing that um i could easily see people being able to upload it and just be like this will, this will run at 40 hertz this will run at 60 hertz this will run at whatever you know absolutely yeah i think it would be so nice to see these things, you know, and I we something we've talked about before is like how valuable the community controller setting is. It would I would love to see that for literally anything that Valve wants to support it with. Um, but I, as you've said, it, I don't think it's as cut and dry as unfortunately as the controller situation, which um, is pretty perfect, right? Like it's it's very very well executed, and I, I could see why it's not quite as simple to do for some of these other things because there's just more nuance to them you know than just like this is the configuration i set up yeah one thing i do want to point you to though um shififu is a plugin for decky called deck settings and this takes uh information from share deck 
games, which is a website, and you can go here and you can just type in the name of the game, um, and it will tell you the the configuration and like the optimized configuration. Um, and essentially, the the plugin you type in it will detect what game you're playing, um, and it will tell you what to set your settings to. So it'll be like set the graphics preset to low, set the screen refresh rate to forty fps. Um, things like that, and use this version of Proton, use TAA, set the in-game FSR to balance, that kind of stuff. So there is a solution. It's not automated, but if you're not the kind of person who is confident in kind of dialing stuff in, there is a solution, um, and sharedeck.games is a, is a great website, and you can log in with your Steam account, and it will show you what games you've got and, and kind of the best way to to optimize things. So how about the uh, OLED screen? Oh, the OLED screen. We spoke about this, uh, f- I think it was a few months back, right? I actually think that there is going to be a solution for this. Yeah. I think I, I, I could easily see it coming to iFixit as a kit uh, in the same way that the uh, the uh, the SSD drives, they're not official Valve ones. They're just like an unofficial part outside of that agreement they have with Valve that they've tested and they know work with the Steam Deck, I could easily see us getting an OLED screen. Um, I don't. I think we'll probably get one from someone like uh, JSOLKS first um, or like one of those other kind of accessory maker brands, and I could I could see us getting an OLED screen. I'm, I'm hoping we get an OLED screen because that will be uh, something I, I chuck in my, my basket and get on my Steam Deck within seconds. Like, I, I will set aside my apprehension of opening up my steam deck and i will do everything i want to do to the steam deck in one hit then i'll replace the screen i'll put gilly kit sticks on i'll put a two terabyte drive in there i'll change out my noisy uh my noisy fan uh and i'll do all of those things in one go and i want to change i want to change the back plate as well to one of those like smoky gray ones i would love to send mine to you and have you do all that too (laughs) So let me know how it goes on yours, and then uh, we'll <laughs> we'll follow up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm aligned with you on that one. I th- I think we'll see that sooner than later. So uh, swinging it back to the community support side of things, this is something that um you know I mean uh, obviously we're pretty invested in, right? Like it's a big part of our what our our uh, content has been around Steam Deck has been figuring out the community support, you know, through things like Decky and. And um, being able to like create cool, unique plugins that do wacky shit with the Steam Deck. Oh yeah, like Decky, Emu Deck, Cry Utilities are things we've all, we've spoken about at length on the on the show. Uh, like the community support is it knows no bounds. If there's a problem, the community will try and solve it. Just like you know, um, the the thing with the performance profiles, right? There's there's always a a, a solution. It's not always the most elegant solution because sometimes you do need Valve's input for that. But there's always a solution to every problem. I think. Not to mention stuff like Heroic Launcher, right? Being able to install games from like the Epic Game Store without having to download launchers or like Lutris, that kind of thing. It's it's insane the amount of stuff you can do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and like like you know. We already called out uh, Emu Deck earlier, and just there's just so many amazing tools like that. Um, and it seems like, especially considering Valve, you know, isn't um, restrictive about it, it, it seems like the opportunity to like do crazy things with the Steam Deck is like really only starting to be realized. You know, I, I often think about like what are the wacky things that people are going to figure out two years, three years, five years into its mm-hmm. life cycle, you know? Um, let alone when we get a successor that has more power, right? Or 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 more more features to be uh, exploited. Um, it's. Uh, do, you, it's do you think we see a revision to the Steam Deck this year? I don't. Um, I feel like it feels early. You know, I think the thing only came out last year. They only got to the point where you could get your hands on one without waiting at the end of last year. They've talked a lot about like things like wanting to get it in storefronts and wanting to, you know, I think they have a lot of goals for it that now that they have a stable product, a stable OS and, you know, a base built around it. I think you probably want to spend a year or so with it on the market and just you kind of like fully committing to the to pushing for it and trying to get it in more people's hands um, before you release a new model and then try to get 
that original wave of purchasers to double dip and get another one, right? Because I think if they came out with another one this year, I would feel like I wasn't ready for an update. Whereas, like, if they give me three years, four years, I think at that point you're like, yeah, yeah I'm ready. I-, I want another one. I'll do something new. I-, I agree. I'd like to see them ditch the 64 gig model and replace that with a 128 and then yeah. um, up the 512 to one terabyte and make that jump from the 256 to the the top end model a little bit more worthwhile i feel like 512 gigs plus that's questionably nicer screen because as soon as you shuck a screen protector on there it's kind of like what's the point yeah like give me Um, a number two that's got a little more power under the hood terabyte of of memory and an oled screen in the next i would say like four years Right, I think I, I want all of the other things, but I think this year I would love to see them ditch the sixty-four gig model and have yeah, one that's yeah. that's NVMe across the board. I mean, if and, they're giving us I know like that a, they, a, oh, like a not a successor, but like a wave two, like a next generation. That's yeah. more what I mean. Do, but, do you remember though in the interview that we spoke about um, with Sean Hollister over at the Verge, um, they mentioned that even on a successor, they'll probably opt for more battery life rather than performance. Yeah, and I think. We're gonna we're gonna have the same level of performance for three four years. Think of it in terms of like a console generation. Yeah, I, I think that's the like, way to think about it's it. It's like then like a mid gen refresh, and we get like a an update and a slightly more power. Uh, and then in like seven years time, we get like a Steam Deck two kind of thing. Yeah, more power and a little bit better battery life and and a, a sharper screen are really all I'm looking for. Because I don't think it needs to be a lot more powerful. But you got to think right, like. Five years from now, there's going to be new hot games that it's probably struggling to keep up with or that it just straight up can't keep up with. Whereas, like, I think the fact that it can play games like Elden Ring, right, which is the game of the year last year uh, in handheld mode is insane. That is an insane benchmark for it to be able to achieve. Or well, Cyberpunk, which the last sure. generation of consoles couldn't even play. Or, or you know, like... Uh, older games at this point, but when they're, when they're you know, like something like Spider-Man, right, that is, like really intensive yeah. that moves really quick um i think well, and you know the last of us part one's gonna be that, playable over that's here. gonna be the number one game on steam deck that right for like a month at least yeah so you got to imagine that they want to keep up that parody i think they're gonna want to be able to be to be able to be like oh like this is the only place where you can play all of these insane triple a third-party games on a handheld right is on steam deck and that's you know, obviously the, the Steam Deck and the, the Switch are not in real direct competition with each other, but that's the one thing that the Steam Deck will always have over the Switch, you know, right? And, like, that's not to say that they have to keep that advantage, but I think that is a big advantage, especially for the more casual player who just wants another handheld in their rotation that we talked about, right? Like, I think to them being able to be like, oh, I can play, I can play Elden Ring on this thing, I can play Jedi Survivor on this thing, like, I think that's attractive. That's really cool, especially if you're a PC game. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think I can go back to just having closed wall consoles anymore. I like the fact that this is open. I can do whatever the hell I want with it. Even if the Switch comes out and is at performance parity with the Steam Deck and it can play Elden Ring and they bring over games like that, um, I think I've, I'm always going to want to have a Steam Deck in my life at this point. Um, I know you said it's the only place you can play. Obviously, we have seen competition from INEO and GPD kind of stepping up a little bit this year. Yeah, we'll see um, what, what then, actually comes of those, I guess. The, yeah, they're just they're very expensive devices. They're in a different price category. And I feel like if you're looking for more power at the moment, those are the places to go. But you're looking at $1,000 before you get to to any kind of meaningful difference. Yeah, which and, is a lot of money to spend on a handheld. And and it's not to say that they're not nice, but it's just like I don't know, like it. I I think for the price, there there's things that in which they still feel like they're lacking. And I I'm interested in them for sure. Like I would love to get my hands on one and really be able to, you know, uh, make a meaningful comparison video. Hey, I and you, if you want to send us one and let us know. Um, but uh, but the justification of spending like what is essentially the amount you'd spend on a gaming PC for this thing um, that is really, you know, it's 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 more powerful. But like how significantly more powerful and, and how, you know, how much Pretty significantly more powerful it, it, in terms of the watts that it can draw. 
I think it's something at least twice as powerful. Really? Wow! It's, I didn't yeah. realize there was that much of a gap between them. That that is pretty impressive. Yeah, that they can they can run run um like pretty high spec games, uh, which is why they cost one thousand yeah to one thousand six hundred dollars. The cheapest one looked like it was what nine fifty, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Ionia Geek. Yeah, but they do have the older model, the Ionia Air. But the you know that one is lower power than a Steam Deck. It's the Ionia Two, the Air Two, the Air Pro, um, and the Next Pro are the ones that are more powerful than the the Steam Deck. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see if any of these really end up like like making a splash. But I, I have to imagine that like. They're going to struggle because I think part of the appeal of the Steam Deck is that it has Valve behind it and it has like that cachet of being part of the Steam ecosystem. And not that you couldn't use these devices that way, because to your point, right, like you can run the the Steam Deck OS on these devices, you know, like that's you you could run it like a Steam Deck um, and and that would be fine. But I just I don't know. I, I For some reason, I struggle to see like a significant market erupt, um, you know, building up around one of these third-party devices. I feel like they are always going to be kind of like a high-end alternative for somebody who's really, you know, um, hard, hard in that enthusiast market. But again, I had my doubts about the Steam Deck. So maybe, maybe this is just another emerging trend that we're only seeing the beginning of. And like a couple years from now, we'll be like, oh yeah, the, these handheld gaming PCs are everywhere and there's a bunch of them on the market and Valve blew open this whole new thing by developing the Steam Deck and creating this this OS that is open source, you know? Um I hope so. Competition I think is is only good. I and you are working on agreed. their own Linux based OS, uh which will no doubt use Proton, which obviously is backed by Valve. So I think it's only gonna benefit everyone. Um the more of these like handheld devices we have, the more devices that are running on Linux it's only going to benefit Steam Deck players in the long run. Yeah, agreed. So I think to uh, wrap it up, it's been a great first year here with the Steam Deck. And I think officially next week, I'm going to have to update the intro to the show because I don't think it's the hot new handheld anymore. Now it's 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 something else. So if you've got a recommendation for what I should call it in the intro now instead of Valve's hot new handheld, you let me know in the comments down below or uh, write, write in on all the ways that you can. Head, head over to flipscreen.games. You can hit us up via email, join the Discord, however you choose to get uh, in touch. We appreciate you tuning into this week's show. Remember, if you want to go and become a Patreon producer, if you want to get more content from us, however you want to get involved with the community or show your support, head over to flipscreen.games. That's the website. Uh, and you know, go over and uh, click on some stuff. It helps us out. won't cost you a nickel. So for the crew, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. Do you have your Steam Deck? Hold it up real quick. This has been the Steam Deck. Hello, it's right here. Okay, nope, I you don't got it. It's downstairs. Damn, both of us just just whiffing that opportunity. Okay, you know, well, uh, spiritually, the, he's been the Steam Deck, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>